0: it's good to see you. I appreciate very much that kind introduction. From here on out, I'm just Marty. Okay, I mean, I'm just, just a sinner like all of you. But anyway, um, it's great to be here this morning, and last week we had teen day, and this today is senior day.
1: All right.
0: In fact, I'd like to get all the seniors 60 years and above to stand-up. Now, I know we look weak and frail, but I'd also like Anthony. Would you stand up, please? Anthony? Thank you. He's our bodyguard. Thank you. He just joined the senior ministry. <laughs> and if you show disrespect to any of the seniors, he will take your head and pop it right <laughs> like that. No, but that, that's a legitimate question. Why is the old guy up here? I mean, you got to ask that question. I ask myself that question. And there's really three options... One, Joe feels sorry for me, uh. wants me to feel valued, wants me to feel like I have a place, even though I'm old. Second thing, it could be a respect thing. You know, you've got to respect the elderly. Come on, you just got to. And you know, the older we live, the more opinions we build up with. We've seen it all. We've done it all. We know what needs to happen, you know? And these opinions just swell up and swell up. And if we don't get an opportunity to let them out, man, we just blow up like little small propane tanks. I mean, it's just incredible. We've got to be able to speak. So maybe that's why I'm up here, just to blow off some steam. Or it could be the old guy actually has something to say. Maybe there's a real message in my heart that's come out of some study that's led me to the conviction I need to preach this message. Because, you know, we've been processing things as we've all come together, right? Trying to figure this thing out. Processing, processing. Got to process. I've learned a lot about processing. I can need to learn more about processing, but I'm learning. But I picked up a few things, just processing, just looking around, being involved in studies, just being around people, being around you kids. And I thought maybe because we're building this new ministry, so to speak, we're going to have to take it higher. We just can't stay in the same place, in the same gear. We're going to have to shift gears and take it on higher. So I thought what might be good is to go back to some basic, fundamental principles of discipleship. Get down to the foundation. You know what I'm talking about? You know, I used to be an iron worker. And I was a high steel climber. 100, 200 feet in the air, wind blowing, all that kind of stuff. And when we laid the foundation for these structures, and these structures were huge, nuclear reactor plants, I mean, big, big things that we were working on, water towers, oil refinery tanks, so we were up in the air. And when we were building the, the, putting the steel down on the foundation, you had all kinds of inspectors around. Everybody looking, making sure. And I was looking, because I was one of the high steel guys. So I was down there making sure all the welding was done well because I know I'd be climbing on that foundation. I was not willing to go high until I knew the foundation was set. That's my point. We can't expect to go any higher if we don't have a strong foundation and some biblical truths that we're going to die for. You can't take on Satan and his forces. Unless you're willing to die for the side that you're on. The title of the message is not my will but yours be done. Look over at Luke 22. I'm sorry we don't have these on the uh, PowerPoint. Because uh, I don't know what happened. I'll tell you the truth. I used to just hand my thing to Lynn, and she does it all. But I had to, I I hand it to somebody else who didn't have the app, Jeremy, who didn't have the application or the program. And then I was over here worrying more about, okay, how am I going to do this? And I wasn't concentrating on the message. And being a spiritual guy that I am, I wanted to concentrate on the message. So I'm basically covering up my fumble. (laughs) They were ready to help. I just didn't know what to do. So, anyway, please forgive me. So get your Bibles out or you're going to be lazy like Logan said last week. <laughs> Can you believe you call everybody lazy to have a Bible open? <laughs> <laughs> hey, I opened my Bible, I'll tell you right now. You okay, look over in Luke 22 and verse 39. Come on, Marty. Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. I don't know if he said it that way, but it sounds good. (laughs) Makes the point, doesn't it? Pivotal moment in the life of Jesus. This is the pivotal moment in all of human history. Any hope for redemption, for eternal life, for meaning, was dependent on Jesus' decision to follow through and die. Some people argue, "Well, it's really the cross." Well, no. Once Jesus made a decision, it was a given. And why he's in the garden here, agonizing, because that decision had yet not yet been totally solidified. It's amazing. We said, "Whoa! It was that serious?" Yeah, it was that serious. He could have turned back. If we'd been able to peel back the physical realm at that point, we would have seen the angelic and demonic forces just lined up, zeroed in. At that point, demonic forces are it, if we can just get him not to follow through, one moment of weakness. And Jesus felt that in his humanity. He just knelt down and just
1: squeezed
0: his will out of himself and absorbed the will of God. Man, what a powerful man. One moment of complete self-denial. The moment when Jesus would decide to fulfill his mission to become nothing. Become nothing so that we could become something. It's all about our will. And God's will. And the battle we must face in order to be able to say, not my will, but your will be done. But how do you really know God's will? We can kind of talk in theological terms of doing God's will, but how do you really know? I mean, there's explicit teaching in the Bible to do this, to love one another, and to do this, and not to do this, and to stay away from that. And okay, we, we got that kind of thing. But what about, am I at the right job? You know? Does God want me to put up with this employer one more day? Should I get married? I don't know what that who meant, but I'm just going to leave it alone. Should I do more? Can I do more? Does God want me to do more? Of course he does. God always wants us to do more. He wants our love to abound more and more. He wants us to imitate Christ more and more, become like Christ more and more. Sure, he wants us to become more. But where do we know what that more is for us? You know what I'm saying? Where do we go? How do we pin nail down that and, and you know, kind of pin it on the wall as to exactly what God's will is. Sometimes I just wish God would send me uh, uh, a memo of some type every day and say, this is what I want you to do today. No, you're not at the right job. You're right about that. Go ahead and start looking for another job. You know. No, you don't know you don't need any more kids. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. You know what I'm saying? We want the particulars. Should I pray longer? Am I praying enough? Is it making any difference? What is God's will? Will you please say something? Over in Philippians chapter 1, we get a real clue into that. I got to do Bible and I lost the ribbon. Okay, look at Philippians, verse 9. And this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge. In depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Discernment is a result of a love-motivated life. And what we get from the knowledge that we apply ourselves and the depth of insight is we gain discernment into the love of God. Because we see and we know and we understand more and more about God, our love is going to increase, and it's through the eyes of love that you discern what the will of God is. Because love is always outward-centered. It's always looking for what is best. It loves righteousness. It loves what is best. It always wants to go in that direction. As our knowledge increases about God and our depth of insight, we begin to understand how he thinks. We look in history and go, oh, yeah, God has a way of, mm-hmm. In our depth of insight, now we know more about God. We're able to apply that insight in love. What good is it to have insight? If you're not using that insight to make disciples. What good is it? You've given the insight from God. You've given the knowledge. And now you just kind of store it on up. Insight and knowledge are to inform and to help and to serve. But to do that, we've got to really examine ourselves, don't we, sometimes? Yeah. When you feel these kind of challenges, it's like, oh, oh, I just need to sit back, you know. Like Anthony and I, we were talking about lifting weights, and we're going to go work out together, and I'm already going, oh, 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 oh. I'm just feeling it. (laughs) My muscles are already sore, and I haven't lifted anything. (laughs) I look at him and get sore. (laughs) Look over to 2 Corinthians uh, 13.5, just for a real quick scripture. It says in verse 5 of chapter 13, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith, test yourselves, do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you unless of course you fail the test? You either grab on to the power of God or you flunking the test. You know, it's kind of like you're either going to flunk or through the power of God. So it's kind of, don't you love tests? When I was in high school, I just loved tests. When they would come, I would jump up and down and stay up all night. And Oh, I love the tests. And if, I ca- if we came in and, and Joe said, uh, next Sunday, we're all going to have a test. Oh gosh, what's that all about? It must be a joke. A test in church. It's a negative thing, right? Yeah. But you always have to examine yourself. It's a constant thing of being a disciple. Yeah. We made the decision to walk in the footsteps of perfection. Yeah. So it's a constant examination. You can't get away from it. Yeah. If you don't like it, you're not going to last very long. If you can't take input, mm -mm, it's going to be a rough road. I look back on my life. I've been a Christian 47 years. And I say, if I had just gotten some input at that time in my life because of consequences of not, man. I'm just telling you, get input. Examine yourself. You know, God says in 2 Peter 1 3 through 4, we don't have to go over there, but He says there, He's given us everything we need for what? Life and godliness. Everything we need. And the question, really, this morning is in order to understand a Christ, a Messiah, a human being with the conviction to bend on his knees and restrain himself for your sake, if you have someone who's done that, then what's keeping us from reaching our potential, right? What keeps us from reaching our potential? And that's when I address ourselves a little bit this morning and then if you're good I will let you out early <laughs> because I know that there's a game on or something. I n- I know the Patriots are playing who's the other team? <laughs> Who, yeah, exactly. Huh? Bears? Was it the Bears? 49? Oh, Falcons. Yeah. I'm just kidding. I, I'm not I'm just gonna I'm just going. I'm not a competitor like that, but look over at Matthew
1: 25,
0: we're going to get down to some stuff right now, and so strap in a little bit. Realize the Lord loves you. He is with us. But we're going back to some basic teaching of Jesus. Verse 14, again, uh, chapter 25 of Matthew. Again, it would be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. The one he gave five bags of gold to another two bags and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who received the five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. The man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought... The other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, You entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who received one bag of gold came, Master, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you've not sown and gathering where you have not gathered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten. For Whoever has will be given to more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, teeth. Ouch! Whoa! Super Bowl Sunday. (laughs) Hey, I didn't write that. I'm not sure why I would have ever written that. I can get the lazy thing, you know. Yeah, I'm lazy. You're right. I was lazy yesterday. But the wicked thing, it's like, whoa, boom. Something's going on here. Something serious is going on that Jesus feels like this parable needs to be taught. All of us have potential for great things in the kingdom of God. And greatness is not defined by a hierarchy, it's defined by you being fully engulfed in the work of God according to your ability. That brings honor to God. So we all have to face this parable. And here you see, first mistake this guy makes. He didn't have a, a mean God uh, or a mean uh, master. He had a real generous master. Here's some gold. Go multiply it. But he had expectation. And the first mistake that the man makes with the one bag of gold He says, I knew that you were a hard man. You see, once you start making knowledge claims for God, you're going to mess up every time. Oh, I know God wouldn't think that. Or I know God, there's no way God would really make somebody become a Christian a certain way. I mean, he just kind of lets it all fly. I know that's the kind of God I have. That's not the kind of God's up there. And I don't know what kind of God you have, but they're not matching. And I think that's one of the things that Jesus is addressing in this passage. Quit thinking you know what God thinks. The only way you're going to know how God thinks is through prayer and study that comes out of love for the knowledge and insight to help other people. That's where it's going to come from. You know, fear is a great paralyzer. That's the next thing you see. I was afraid. And you know how fear can paralyze us. Remember Peter got out on the water? Then all of a sudden the waves came, and what happened? He got afraid. Jesus grabbed and said, why did you doubt? Why would you doubt in something that you're doing? Why are you doubting? You're walking on the water. I know I'm walking on the water, but I don't know if I can walk on the water But you're walking on the water. but Yeah, but how can I walk on the water? I might not really be walking on the water. But I'm out here, you know. It's like, get a grip. It hits all of us. Peter's denial. Denied Jesus three times out of fear. What a heartbreaking thing to let fear paralyze you like that. It hits all of us, though, right? I mean, some of us are afraid of spiders and stuff. Or lizards. Heights. Some of us are deathly afraid of heights. When I first became an iron worker, my first day on the job after I'd certified as a welder, took me all the way to the top of the tank. The wind was blowing about 20 miles an hour. And I was the welder. And my hood was going back and forth. And I was trying to tack. And the, in the ground, the, the top of the tank was just moving. And, you know, I said, I am going to die today. <laughs> I, I just felt I was going to die. And when I got down, back down on the ground, finally, at the end of the day, I just kind of stood there. And all the guys were looking at me and laughing. I said, just give me a minute, guys. That was a rough day. After that, it was okay. Finally, my mind clicked into, wait a minute. Yeah, if you were rocking like this on the ground, you'd be having a good time. (laughs) So I just started rocking, you know, and going along realizing there's nowhere to fall. Foundation's been done well. We're just moving with the steel, you know. So you've got to train your mind with your fears or insecurity. Some of us are just insecure. We don't know why. I've been basically a more insecure person than a secure person. I'm a guy that's always on the edge of failure, you know. And I'm probably going to fall inside of failure rather than success. But I'm going to stay on the line. (laughs) But I can just feel that, you know. Maybe some of you are like that. I don't know. Fear of being vulnerable. Really open up. Fear of being wounded. Mm. You know, people can be mean. Have you noticed that? And we've been asked, Join, you know, and I believe this is God's will to, to bring us together and build a great church and to do the great things and to be united in Christ and to be the one body of the church and to all have members of the body. They all have a place and we all come together. But the, the thing we bring in is a sinful nature in all of us. We all have a sinful nature. We got to get along with one another. I have to endure your sinful nature, and you're going to have to endure mine, and we're just going to have to say, hey, bro, let's just kind of, let's start praying more or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you see what I'm saying? We, we've got to do this. And if we're not united, we're not open, we're not feeling safe, we're, we're not, our groups aren't functioning good, we've got to put our heart into these things, make these things work. Oh hey, you know, this movement that we're part of was built on small groups we got to realize and activate the small groups that we're part of, because that's where really things can take place in a powerful way. We all have battle scars. You know, one time we we were so fired up and so excited, then the storms came, the disappointments, the failures, the problems in relationships, being overwhelmed. And we just kind of slow on down. And if you've been around a while, you've got battle scars. (laughs) And if you don't, just hang around. (laughs)
1: I'll
0: give you some. (laughs) I mean, sometimes I've said things, just said them. Wish I hadn't said them and didn't realize that it really did hurt somebody's feelings. Or I'll say something and all of a sudden I feel like I'm in a minefield. Yeah. Uh-oh. <laughs> where do I go from here? Am I in the middle of the minefield and back of the minefield in the front? I don't know where I'm at. Just from a couple of words. Wow. Mostly when I'm talking to my wife. <laughs> or my son will look at me and go, okay. He just walks into the other room. <laughs> Jeez. But anyway, let's move on. You know, my dad was a platoon leader in World War II. Utah Beach all the way to the Battle of the Bulge. And he got shot through the neck by a sniper. And the sniper had basically knocked out his whole platoon got him... Through the neck and his sergeant through the knee, the sergeant dragged him back to the American lines. He's in the hospital for three weeks. And he's back leading the platoon after that. You can do a lot of things, even with a wound. I don't know if I could have done that. I just got shot in my neck! Do you not see the hole is still there? (laughs) And I can remember I asked my dad one time, Why why did you? And he looked at me, and I I can't remember exactly how he said it, but it was like, There's men dying out there, and they need leaders. Uh, My dad would say stuff like that through my life. Whoa. Another time he was crossing a field, machine gun fire opened up, hit him in the ear, just blood all over, went to the medic, patched him up, he was out in another firefight. It's just wounds will happen in the battle. And if we interact with one another at deep levels, there will be wounds, there will be misunderstandings, there will be a lack of knowledge that you wish you had before you opened your mouth about (laughs) the other person. So many times I say to my, I wish I had that knowledge for I said a thing. But we can get through this. Yeah, it's, it's a tough transition. What did you expect? It's going to be tough, but we can make it. Yeah, we got God's power. One more example about fear, then I'll be able to move to the other ones real, real quick. When I first became a Christian, I thought, this is going to be great. I want to I be a preacher. I think I can do that. And I just came out of a little country church Christ. But I was always the party guy before I became a Christian. So I was just hiding all my insecurity with all kinds of things. And when I got insecure around somebody, I beat him up, so I just felt like I was just, you know, that's how I was dealing with everything, and then I' become a Christian, and boy, all that insecurity came out. I had a deathly fear of public speaking. I can't tell you how painful that was. I mean, OK, let's figure this one out. I want to be a preacher, but every time I'm asked to do something, I throw up for a month. (laughs) (laughs) And it all linked together because in high school, when there was a speech class, I just skipped it. It's time for my me. I was in speech class, but when it's time for my speech, I just didn't go to class. Well, I'm gonna give you enough. I don't care. (laughs) I don't care if you give me enough. That's how afraid I really was, and that hit me. After I became a Christian, and it was agonizing, so discouraging. Because when I get in front of people, you know, I just uh, they're going, "What is the matter with that guy?" It was just it was just (laughs) killing me because I knew I was looked like a fool, but I had made this commitment to God, and I knew it was just fear. And I knew because I'd been an iron worker, I could overcome fear. And I just said, okay, Lord, I'm just going to go for it. This is where I stand and this is where I die. I'm going to get over this thing. And I just said every time I'm given an opportunity, as I went more and more through biblical studies, people wanted me to speak more. I just literally crawl in the pulpits almost. I just kept doing it and doing it, and finally my mind activated and said, hey, stupid, they don't really care what you're saying anyway, (laughs) or hey, you've got the Holy Spirit. You've got the the power of a prophet. You can stand alone if you need to, even if they all reject you. If you preach the truth, you can stand. So finally my mind started clearing up the anxiety and I just feel like and then I started recognizing how much love there is in the church so what, what, what is there to be afraid of? Amen, bro. Yeah, Worst she could do is just grab me and drag me out of here. <laughs> Anthony.
1: <laughs>
0: just wanted you to be aware there could be someone like that. I saw a guy walking down the street that Anthony messed with. His head was shaped like this. Because <laughs> he went like that. But anyway, I would share that that God does give the victory to those who stay in the battle. Amen. And I just got to the point I was just going to punch, punch my way through it. Second thing that causes us not to reach our potential. We're going to run through these real quick. Relatives. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Relatives. I have known people who've walked away from the faith because of a spouse. I've known parents who have left the faith because they were manipulated by their children. I've known a lot of people that have been affected negatively by relationships. And I want to show you a passage over in Luke 14. Luke 14, verse 25. Man, if you're not awake now, this one's going to wake you up. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus, verse 25 of Luke 14. And turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife, children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Oh, oh, oh. what are you talking about? Like I said, don't throw that tomato at me. I can see the way some of you are looking at me. I didn't like that. But it does make you wonder, doesn't it? Obviously, any theological discussion you have, you've got to bring common sense to it. Jesus is not telling us to hate each other. He commanded us to love one another. I mean, love is, God is love. He's not coming out here to hate. But when a wife leaves the Lord because her husband doesn't like the Lord, you gotta hate that. Yeah, that's right. Not the people. The dynamic. Right. The influence. Amen, bro. That's right. I didn't, really have that problem, I, don't, I was blessed because I wasn't that close to my parents growing up. So what they thought, I didn't care. <laughs> it didn't bother me. Yeah. My mom would question me about what I said. I said, that's what I believe. Love it.
1: <laughs>
0: or leave it. it was just. And, but I know other people that had really had close relationships with their parents, and that's awesome. I wish I had that. But on the other side, I'm glad I didn't, because some people are stuck in some traditional type of religion because they're adhering to what their parents have taught them, and they've never sat down and said, you know, I need to start studying the Bible for myself and figure out what Jesus said himself. I mean, I can read, can't I? But that's what happens. Now, if you're in here and you've got a brother and sister, this doesn't give you the right to hate your brother or sister. I know some of you are thinking, oh, good, now I can, ha- I can really hate my little brother. No, that's not what he's saying. We got to hate the sin and the influence of sin that we see in each other's lives. We got to stand our ground with that. We got we to gotta hate that. I mean, I got people in here that I love with all my heart. If I saw them fall away, I would hate that. Why would I hate that? Because I love them. That's what Jesus is trying to say. But our kids, you know, they'll make us crazy. (laughs) Go ahead and laugh. Get it out. (laughs) They will even cause some of us to wonder, should we have had kids... I can hit you around, well, some teenage years. You, 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 you don't think on it long. <laughs> but Satan does, see? Satan will throw an assie, it at sea, shouldn't kids? But they manipulate our schedules. They make our schedules crazy. They make us crazy. And it's so easy for the family to become the center of becoming sports, homework. And then the hormones kick in. <laughs> and we follow, find ourselves just following our kids around. And I, I, I've noticed that sometimes. Hey, hey, oh, go ahead. Do whatever you want to do. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, this is so nice. Go ahead. Run around. Run, run. And we take them to people's houses, and they run around. And this is so nice. And maybe they're knocking stuff over. <laughs> hey, kids need to be led. Not followed. You've been given ability. And your lack of fulfillment of that ability. Don't blame on your kids. God didn't make you have kids. He gave you ability. He expects that ability to be fulfilled. He wants to see that potential. Now your kids can be a liability or they can be an asset. But I can remember carrying my kids all over the place when they were young. I didn't. We had fun with everybody. As they got older, yeah, we had to have a schedule. We had to make sure things were done right. Don't let your kids take you out of fulfilling what God has called you to do. And I believe in quality time. I believe in sitting back, watching a movie, eating popcorn, shooting some hoops. That's awesome. I really believe in quality time. But quality time is also when your kids see you stretching yourself and sacrificing and, and putting yourself under a heavy schedule, tight schedule, because you love the Lord. Amen. I'm sorry, son. I know I can't deal with that right now. I will get to it, though. It's all right for your kids to go, wow, Dad's busy with the Lord. Now, there's a balance there. You don't want them going, yeah, it's the Lord again. You don't need to yell at them. You don't need to scream at them. It's just, this is the way it is. There are certain things in our family. This is what the Wootens do. But dad, everybody else, all the other parents, they're letting their kids do this, that, and the other. But you know what? We don't do that in the Wooten family. That's not the Wooten thing. Nah, we don't do that. you got to take control. You'll never fulfill your real potential if you're so afraid about the kids. You know, don't turn over there, but 1 John 4.18 says this. Listen to me. Perfect love drives out fear. Think about that. Now, You're never going to love completely. You'll never have perfect love. Sorry. No. But our understanding, which is the implication of this passage, our understanding of God's perfect love will calm our spirits. God loves your kids more than you will ever be able to love them. Are you kidding me? Sometime you got to turn those kids over to the Lord. Not when they're two. You say, okay, have time with the Lord. But you know what I'm talking about. It drives it out. Because God is watching over them. God cares about them. God loves them. He died for them. The more you understand that, the more you'll be able to go, God is going to make up for all the mistakes I'm making. Because you will look back and you will say, I regret doing that. I regret not doing that. You're going to have regrets. You think you're going to get out this without regrets? No way. I thought I was, didn't make it. You're not going to make it either. (laughs) I will make sure you have some regrets. We just can't make it perfect. But God can. And he starts discipling at a young age. Just walk with him. Walk with your kids. Enjoy the adventure. Use them. Reach out through them. You know how many people you can meet through your kids? It's a wonderful thing to do. Then next thing real quick. Uh, sin is going to hold us back, guys and girls. Opportunity to be open. When I say sin, I just think about the guys. You know, we're we're a wretched bunch, I'll tell you. I don't have to go into the other gender. Um, we have a great opportunity to be open in this church and not be judged. Yeah. If you're holding stuff in, you're just waiting yourself down. Yeah. Yeah. You got things maybe you need to talk about you did years ago. You never really have talked it through, or you got stuff you're into. You're and you really want some help, man, this is the place to be. Right. I mean, who's going to judge you? If someone judges you, come talk to me and Anthony, and we'll take that guy <laughs> outside.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: no, seriously. We're really trying to make this a safe church. Amen. If you're in our fellowship, we're going to take care of you as much as we can right. and for you to feel safe. Amen. I'm not in the leadership or anything. I'm just saying that's what I think we should do. (laughs) Last thing. (laughs) Last thing. A lack of will. The lack of will, which is really defiance. I don't want to. Some brothers and sisters just think, I don't want to. I don't want to do that. You don't want to do that. Now, where else in the world does that work? (laughs) When I tried to say that to my mom, I don't want to. Oh, I didn't even get the words out. Man, okay, (laughs) I got that one. There was no I don't want to in my house. As if, Michael, can you clean your room up for me? I don't want to, Dad. You don't want to? That changes the whole scenario. (laughs) What have I been doing all this time? I've been harsh, making you clean up your room. I mean, it was never that way, and I don't think it's that way in your house either. No way, Try that at work. <laughs> Tell your boss, I just don't want to do that, I'm tired of doing it, you do it. <laughs> <laughs> I called a friend of mine, he was in the Marines, I said, said, hey Mark, what would happen if you said I don't want to do something? He went, oh no you don't go there. He said, it can be an immediate court-martial. And if it's on the battlefield, it can be, you can be shot. And yet in the church, well, I don't want to. Why not? I don't know. Got the ability? Yeah. Oh, I've been there, done that. Well, if you got the ability, maybe you better get back in there and do it again. Because I'm telling you, I don't know when you clocked out. But there's no clock. In the kingdom of God, if you have the ability to do something, you need to be exercising that ability. Now, I know there's a time you can take off. Even a game has halftime, but the game's still going on. Yeah. And you know, when my dad, after three weeks in the hospital, he was sent back out, nobody asked him if he wanted to go back. Oh, Lieutenant Wooten, we just want to ask, do you want to go back? No? Okay. All right. Let, let us know. Send me an email and I'll come get you. No, it, it, it didn't work that way. I believe in the grace of God. I really do. My gosh, we need the grace of God. But I don't believe in abusing the grace of God. I don't want to be a grace abuser. To cover up my lack of initiative or my lack of of, uh, sacrifice. I want to use that for the power of God. I want to do more because I want to love God. And as I know more about God and love God, I'll know more about how to love I mean, there's just this incredible journey once you start taking it. I mean, it, 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 as far as growth is concerned. But if we don't get these things dealing with the will, our basic, selfish will in check, we can't take it higher. I don't know about anybody else, but I want a 2017. I want to take it higher. I want to learn some more stuff. I'm ready, I'm ready to get back and hit a home run. You know what I'm saying? It, 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 it's time. And I look out on this, this audience and I see the amount of talent and ability and love for God. Let's just kick it in, kick it up a notch and uh, make uh, the next few months just really to God's glory. Amen. Thanks for uh, listening to me.